Anti-human trafficking warrior Rosy Orozco explains how open borders are encouraging human sex trafficking into our country. On the latest Sarah Carter Show, Rosy will explain the horrific reality many women and children are suffering in the U.S. Follow the Sarah Carter Show at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Old routines die hard, like those multiple cups of coffee and sugary energy drinks to stay alert. Well, I discovered a healthier way to get the sustained energy I need without all the caffeine and sugar. Super Beats Heart Chews. I just unwrap a chew or two in the morning and let Super Beats Heart Chews do the rest. I feel great about what I'm doing for my health. Join me in the new way to start your day with Super Beats Heart Chews. I challenge you to try it for 30 days and give them your feedback. No more afternoon coffees, energy drinks, and candy for a quick pick-me-up. I've been taking Super Beats Heart Chews for years, and it's an easy and convenient on-the-go boost to your overall health and energy. Make Super Beats Chews an essential part of your busy day. To make it easy to get started, I got you up to 45% off plus free shipping at danasbeats.com. Hurry, it's their best offer available anywhere. That's danasbeats.com for up to 45% off. danasbeats.com. None of what I'm talking about infringes on anyone's Second Amendment rights. I've said it many times. I support the Second Amendment. When guns are the number one killer of children in the United States of America, let me say it again. Guns are the number one killer of children in the United States. Goodness, there were a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff from his speech that he gave, uh, which we're, we're going we're gonna to bring you a bunch of those sound bites. We have them. The president was speaking just a little bit ago from the White House on the issue of the he's talking about the gun bill that they signed, that he signed, that the Senate had passed. Remember, that was the Cornyn, Tillis, et cetera. The number of uh, there's a number of Republicans on that that helped usher that through the red flag, et cetera, et cetera. We've talked about it. I've written about it. Welcome to the show. Happy Monday. Dana Lash here with you. And that's one of the things we're going to be covering today. We also got a lot of bad polling for Biden and Democrat infighting. And is Mayor Poot Buttigieg going to run for president? Yes, he is. Uh, we got all of that stuff to get into. But the uh, the the president's remarks this morning on the issue of, quote unquote, gun violence. You know, and I made some remarks about this, too, on Twitter. And I mean, it, his his I mean, honestly, it was kind of unhinged. I got to be real and that it's not, you know, me being petty or partisan. It just sounded unhinged, the stuff that he was saying. I mean, he he was sitting here, the remarks that he made, he was acting like, well, it's, you know, I, I uh, you know, these these uh, horrific tragedies, you know, if he acted like they could have been prevented with the presence of red flag laws, except what he failed to mention is that. A number of states where these already happened, you had red flag laws present and they absolutely failed to they failed to work because you have to. I, I mean, there are, the, the whole system is only as good as the people running it. Right. And the red flag law doesn't do anything about mental health. If somebody's going to go out and kill somebody using a firearm, if you if you serve a red flag on them and you show up and take their arms, guess what? You don't do anything else. It's not a mental health order. It's not anything else. It's just simply there to confiscate property. It enforces a penalty ahead of any kind of uh, deprivation hearing, which is completely you know, crucial to due process. And the person who is dangerous is left to go and go to the black market and do whatever they're going to do. I mean, it's just it's just wild, just wild that, you know, some of the remarks that he made. And it is incredibly ironic to see 
a clueless politician like Joe Biden, who's talked about shooting criminals in the knee and going out with his, you know, his shotgun on his balcony and firing it off you know, wildly into the air as some sort of way to scare off burglars. It's wild to hear this guy sit here and, and, and assume that that gun owners are somehow stupid and not trained, et cetera, et cetera. And that as a result of his his perception of their knowledge of firearms that they shouldn't be allowed to purchase a firearm and he kept using the phrase every responsible gun owner i know the only gun owner that i think that we all know that biden knows is his son hunter who lied on a 4473 kept his pistol in his truck for his uh for his uh sister-in-law his sister-in-law lover to find and then only for her to throw it in a trash can across the street from a school so spare us I'm just not going to sit here and take lectures from somebody who reads the damn fine print and parentheticals on a prompter. Just not going to have it. So happy Monday there. So we're going to this and and never forget the names of these of these Republicans either. And I've had people I'm going to tell you something. I've had some words with some friends of mine. I've had words with some friends of mine who like, for instance, they're corn and not, I, I don't want to say corn and fans. They're so they're they're so pragmatic. They're pragmatic at the. They're all for getting along to go along. And you guys know that I am, I will go along and I don't give a rat's ass about getting along. Almost to a fault. It's actually hurt me before. Many times. But I don't care about getting along. I only care about making sure, I'm going to be right, I'm going to be honest, it's very selfish. My rights are protected. The end. My rights also happen to be your rights, so you're in luck. Look at that. See? See how it works? A rising tide raises all ships. Yay! But I, I've had some words with friends of mine before on this subject, and they were saying, well, you know, um, you know, Cornyn's doing everything he can to, you know, these other Republicans are doing everything that they can to make sure, you know, that people who are, you know, underage are protected, et cetera. You know, we have to have something so it can, so we have the optic of, um, wait, what do you mean we have to have something? I get so aggravated at having this, com- this same conversation over and over again. We actually don't have to have anything. The, the Republican problem with being an absolute outright walking sentient turd on messaging is does not mean that that as a result of that, the price to offset it must be paid by innocent people with the giving up of their rights. We're not doing that. Maybe if some Republicans could understand how firearm works and an existing firearm law and they could message that a little bit better or how in our current legal structure, all of the tools that you need to adjudicate someone uh, a prohibited possessor, be it through uh, what and the legal language is is mental defective. That's just the legal language, whether it's mental instability, etc. Something was that something like, you know, anything like that, then that's I mean, that's that's one thing. Lost my train of thought. We have a lot more to get to uh, with this issue and a number of other things as well. Also, some of the other stuff that we have on the way. uh, Democrats, media. Now, Joe Biden, he's going to be going to Saudi Arabia and he's trying to defend his trip. He very much wants to defend his trip to Saudi Arabia. He acts like, and he's been saying for the past couple of weeks, that this is not him going with his hat in hand to beg for oil. But I think we all kind of disagree with that. He keeps going, no, no, no. We, uh, we, this is all about strategic partnerships, strategic partnerships. This was something they wanted to avoid previously with the whole Jamal Khashoggi situation. And a side note on Jamal Khashoggi, everyone acts like he was just this bespeckled journalist who is just as innocent and pure as as undriven snow. And 
that he never, ever actually did any kind of political advocacy and he never did political advocacy in a country where he knew he could be targeted for said political advocacy and that he was going with one faction that wasn't entirely innocent either uh, against another faction. Nobody wants to acknowledge any of this stuff. They just they want it for narrative like that. You know, and I'm not saying this in defense of Saudi Arabia at all, but I think it's I think it's myopic to sit here and act like Khashoggi was at all whatsoever, not an activist or an advocate that wasn't involved with one faction against another faction and try to call it journalism that's not what it was and so on that note democrats have been long opposed to doing anything with saudi arabia because all of a sudden my principles they suddenly have principles all of a sudden they have principles but only for that particular journalist they don't give a rat's backside about any others right they didn't care about journalists under obama biden when they were trying to use the uh the espionage act to try to go after uh, people like James Rosen and others who were simply writing about the foreign policy failures of the administration at the time. So he's expected to go over to Saudi Arabia. He wrote an op-ed, meaning he had someone write an op-ed for him. And uh, they published that in the Washington Post. And that's when he said, we have to engage directly with Saudi Arabia and other countries to ensure that the U.S. is strong and secure. I roll, I roll, I roll. I'm not going to read the whole thing to you because I would rather drink just straight tequila to kill my brain cells instead of reading Joe Biden's column. So they uh, they swear that they're not that they're not going to be. It's not going to be about oil. Kane, you know, it's going to be about oil. It's going to be about oil. It's going to be about it's going to be OPEC. Help us. That's what it's going to be. That's completely what it's going to be about. So the other thing that I, <laughs> I've got to share with you. Did we figure out what the hell Buddha Judge is doing? Have we figured that out? And I'm, I'm laying the groundwork for a bigger question. Have we figured out what he's doing in his job as transportation secretary? He's secretary of all the transportations. It's, okay. Yeah, I mean, all right. It's this is only he you know what he reminds me of and this is going to hit such a small target for only so few of you. He's like an ineffective Moomin Rider from One Punch Man. Like Moomin Rider at least had some victories and had some courage. This guy has none of that. So maybe he's not even like that. But you know what I mean? Like in a way he's like he's pretend it's like he's cosplaying an adult. That's just what I get from Poot Buttigieg. Anyway. So here you have air travel woes, really bad, etc. Uh, and I love this headline uh, from Spencer Brown. Forgetting that he works for a 79-year-old, Buttigieg says pilots must retire by 65. Okay. Okay. Now, the other reason I bring this up is because he has decided to relocate to Michigan. So now he's the former South Bend mayor and the secretary of all the transportations has decided to change his residency from Indiana to Michigan. Hmm. Now, he said that and it's Traverse City. I've been to Traverse City. It's a very nice area. Pretty bougie, I have to add. And Michael Moore's that's Michael Moore's stomping ground. Pretty blue, pretty bougie. So they said they're moving to Chaston's hometown of Traverse City. To allow them to be closer to his parents. It's important. It's important for them. I'm calling shenanigans. I'm I this is what I think. I think that he wants to run and I think that he wants to run and he's targeted Michigan to do it because Michigan just happens to be easier for him uh, to get off the ground there. Here you have all Democrats now are already fighting to see who's going to be the successor in 2024. 
they are done with the guy who reads the parentheticals on the prompter. Okay? They're done with the guy who's who I'm going to play audio for you later of what we believe is a drunk anchor person on local news. Couldn't tell her if she had her her voice was lower by a couple of octaves, dude, it'd be Biden. I would not even know. It's one of the funniest. I mean, it's sad and I feel like she needs help, but at the same time, I mean, we assume she's not she's not having a stroke or anything. It's it's one of those totally tober kind of things. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's he's looking at Michigan and Politico noted this. That oh, it's because, you know, it's just because we want to have our kids surrounded by family. Okay, but how how are you doing that now cuz you're in DC and Grammy and Grampy are in Michigan? That doesn't that doesn't mean that doesn't mean anything. It's a political move. It's because Indiana isn't as blue as Michigan. And Pete Buttigieg is one of those guys who wants all the accolades without doing any of the work. No one knows what the hell he's doing as secretary of all the transportations. Nobody knows. I mean, it. I, I really don't think he knows either. He just thinks it has something to do with vehicles. I, I've never seen anyone more ill-equipped for a job. You would think that if I'm just saying if I were president of the United States, which I am too mean to be. Because I don't, I can't do the, the you know, kiss, kiss, meh, meh, fake smile. I, and that's what all those people do. Because I couldn't do it. I'd be like, you know what? You suck. Blank you. Blank you. You're cool. Blank you. That would be my whole, and you cannot do that as a politician. Correct, Kane? You cannot go out and be like that to people. It's not nice. But I would have someone that maybe knew something about transportation, as my transportation secretary, instead of just picking a guy that he and he only did that and has him in this role to stave him off. You know that. But what does it say about the Democrat Party that their that their best hope may be a guy who literally looks like a meat space howdy doody? I'm just saying. And knows nothing about transportation or really anything else. Oh my gosh, I have so much more where this comes from. Uh, we have Still, let just let me give you a quick rundown. Uh, we've got the latest with Democrats, Kamala Harris. Man, wait until you see the quotes, man, the sound bites. We've got this media bias. Also, the Army's cutting off paying benefits for people in the National Guard and reservists who want to be, who maybe even had the virus naturally. But if you didn't get the injection, you're going to get you lose your paying benefits. Apparently, we're going to show this. We have the latest in the Jose Alba case. We have some wokery, all kinds of stuff that you don't want to miss. For sure. I've talked a lot about the Keltec KSG shotgun over the years, and it's no secret how much I love it. It's become the go to shotgun for law enforcement and home defense and for a really good reason. Uh, but why am I such a huge fan of the Keltec KSG? Well, like everything that Keltec invents, it created an entirely new class of shotgun. And the one that started it all is the KSG shotgun. It's the first 12-gauge pump-action shotgun chambered for three-inch shells. And with its dual-tube mags, offers a capacity of 12 plus 1. So that's six rounds in each tube, plus one chambered. If you prefer two and three-quarter inch shells, even better, because the KSG holds seven plus seven plus one. That's 15 shells. You cannot ignore the downward shell ejection either. It makes the KSG truly ambidextrous and ejects shells away from your face. It's brilliant design. See the Keltec KSG up close and personal at KeltecWeapons.com. That's K-E-L-T-E-C Weapons.com. Again, to find out more, visit KeltecWeapons.com. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick 5, brought to you by Caltech. Well, look at this. Guns save lives. And concealed carry holders, by the way, are the most law-abiding 
Uh, this story, which comes out as the South Loop, this is in Chicago. A concealed carry holder was wounded in a shootout. A group of, of armed criminals tried to attack him Monday morning. He pulled his car into a garage parking lot. It was about 3.30 in the morning. He was followed by two other vehicles, a black Jeep and a white sedan. Five guys got out of the car and they approached him. Dr- guns drawn. He grabbed his, he was carrying lawfully, uh, and he defended his life. And they are still looking for some of the attackers. And minutes earlier, less than a mile away, they had a woman hit in the head and carjacked. So this is, this is crazy. And they're just, I'm telling you, you need to have criminals fear law-abiding good people who can return with equal firepower. This story is amazing. In India, police are rumbling a fake IPL cricket league. So they said basically conmen stage have been staging mats, poli- ed- matches, and police in India have arrested a whole bunch of conmen who set up a fake version of cricket's India- Indian Premier League IPL and fooled gamblers in Russia. They got to what, like the, the quarterfinals? <laughs> I know. That needs to be a movie because that's one of the funniest stories. Forget monkeypox, the Marburg virus. Which sounds like a horror film that could be interesting. They say it's back and I don't... Does anyone care? No, no? Okay. And uh, we also have Charles Darwin's Natural Selection. Some people are saying that it's kind of woke now. We'll talk more about that here coming up. Stick with us. More in store back in just a second. Free speech, religious liberty, the Second Amendment. Across the country, your constitutional rights are under constant attack, and it's only getting worse by the day, which is why I'm proud to support Patriot Mobile. They're not just America's only Christian conservative cell phone provider. They're one of the few companies fighting back. They offer the same nationwide coverage as the major carriers, so you get the same great service, plus the peace of mind that your money is combating the left's attempt to silence you. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget and their 100% U.S based customer support team provides exceptional customer service. Patriot Mobile shares your values and supports organizations fighting for religious freedom, constitutional rights, sanctity of life, our veteran and first responder heroes. Visit PatriotMobile.com slash Dana or call 972-PATRIOT and get free activation with offer code Dana. Veterans and first responders save even more, so switch today. Between the left, the media, and rhinos, we need to stick together. PatriotMobile.com slash Dana or call 972 Patriot. Listen to the Dana Show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. As long as I've been alive, settled case law in the United States has been that the Constitution protected a right to privacy, and that has now been thrown out the window by justices, including Justice Kavanaugh, who, as I recall, swore up and down in front of God and everyone, including the United States Congress, that they were going to leave settled case law alone. So, yes, People are upset. They're going to exercise their First okay. Amendment rights. And as long as that's peaceful, that's protected. I'm really trying, guys. First off, greetings and salutations. Welcome back to the program. You are lovable little living Daria here, Dana Lash. Kane, I'm trying. I was telling our friends here, ladies and gents, I'm trying so hard to just keep my eyes in my head because I roll them so hard. Right, I'm trying hard to be the shepherd. I am Jules sitting in the restaurant talking to Ringo. I'm trying real hard, Ringo. I'm trying real hard to be the shepherd. He's talking about, obviously, the Dobbs case, Roe v. Wade, and then Brett Kavanaugh, who couldn't even, well, he finished his meal at Morton's in D.C. Now, and then that's when you had one of the groups that are also apparently putting bounties on justices to harass them. 
they are following these guys and trying to, I mean, just nonstop. Now, you would think, and I just want to lay this out here, because new mom, Secretary Buttigieg, and I don't even know why he's being asked this. My question to him would be like, what the hell are you doing about the airlines right now here? Stooge, what you doing? Stooge Buttigieg, what are you doing? What's happening? What are you doing with the airlines? What are you doing with TSA? What are you, what are you, oh my gosh, what? No, instead they're asking him about everything else. The media is aiding and abetting this guy to leapfrog to the top of the line here. Can I just say, sidebar, who doesn't want to see a slap fight between Gavin Newsom, who is more, a little bit more of a higher brand than Poot B to judge, who's kind of like the great value discounted dollar store item, right? They all come from the same, you know, white dude, short haircut, trousers factory, right? John Ossoff came from that factory. They put them together. They just, they just, they, they have a, a ton of parts. It's the only thing that didn't sh- suffer in the supply chain shortage. So they're asking him about all of this other stuff. I would like to lay it at, at uh, Secretary Mayor Transportation New Mom Poot's feet here that Brett Kavanaugh legit had a guy trying to kill him. Legit had a guy who was arrested down the street from his house going to murder him and probably his family. That makes this a little bit different, okay? Especially when Secretary Mayor Transportation New Mom Poot, when one of his superiors, Chuck Schumer, was out there like an angry lizard screaming about, you know, it's going to go or such, Kavanaugh, and all the other stuff. Yeah. You're going to pay the price for doing your job, apparently. Ah, whatever makes the socialist happy. Ah. You had that. You had all these people like Maxine Waters and everybody else. This guy had someone down the street who was going to kill him, and they were arrested. So this is a little bit different. And by the way, can we just stop with the whole, well, apparently privacy's thrown out the window now that women can't rip their baby's arms off in utero. I mean, it's just... <laughs> You know, if the if the not there is nothing that better defines privacy than ripping apart a person in utero because you took too damn long, too damn long to make a decision about that one night that you had sex and and didn't do it responsibly. No one will say that. I will, but no one else will. That's ultimately what this is. It's not Kavanaugh's fault, and I'm not saying this. Ruth Bader Ginsburg essentially said this: that Democrats rushed through Roe v. Wade. And demanded to have it pass something, however they can structure this argument. And it mind-numbingly, ridiculously was determined to be some kind of privacy issue. And even Ginsburg, before her death, and not just her, even even uh, Scalia before his death, so many, just, I mean, Democrats, other judges, other Democrat lawyers were saying... Eh, it's kind of shaky decision it's shaky shaky opinion it's shaky law we gotta it's you know there could be something that comes up that's actually going to challenge this at some point and that's exactly what happened that wasn't Kavanaugh's fault to try to set up this to build this house on sand that was Democrats they were simply following the rule the logic and and consistent being consistent with that and following the law now, if Democrats so, if they believe that this is so important, why are they focusing on Supreme Court justices? They're not elected officials that make law. 
Why don't Democrats try to propose this and write a bill? If you want it to pass, then write a bill and try to pass it. Do that. That's how this is supposed to go. It's not an issue of privacy. Well, apparently, they're trying to say that because women can't go and use abortion as birth control, then no one should be able to eat dinner in peace. The choice is before conception, and it happens before you hit the bed, not when you get in the stirrups. Big difference. And I just... Also, I didn't think he was a biologist, so why is this progressive male remarking upon women's issues? He's not a biologist. He is not a biologist. He may be able to breastfeed and birth children, apparently. I don't know. But he's not a biologist. I'm just, say, I'm just saying, who, who among us knows? Science is whatever we want it to be. Well, you would be mean. No, notice you can't say wrong. You're just mean. Now, we have more. I have, because this is, he's saying that, that uh, now, and I will add, does, does Mayor Secretary of Transportation Newman Poot Buttigieg also believe that it's appropriate for people to show up at a restaurant where he's eating and follow him and chasten around and scream at them, et cetera, et cetera? Because I would imagine that th- his answer afterwards would sound quite different. I would actually still be opposed to that. I've never liked that. I've never liked that stuff. I've never liked going to people's houses. I've never liked doing that. And I participated in a lot of rallies and protests during the, in the day, but I never went to somebody's house because I just thought, you know what, that's not where this stuff is decided and that's where their families are. And I just think that there's a line of decency. Now, if you start showing up and confiscating my guns, that's different. Then it changes. Just saying. So this... Um, I, I, I really don't think one of the other things that Biden is looking at doing is he's saying he's weighing calls to declare abortion as some sort of public health emergency. Now, other people in his administration, this seems to be kind of a divisive point for Democrats because they're not really all on board with this. And they really I just don't think that this is something that is going to happen. He's also he's he said this. He's pushed this. He's the Washington Post wrote about how he's floating this idea to consider declaring abortion access to be a public health emergency. The thing is, again, it's not banned. It goes to the states, et cetera, et cetera. And some support it. Some don't. Now, he says he thinks that this needs to happen now. Others have said it doesn't seem like a great option, including Jen Klein, the director of the White House Gender Policy Council. They said that it doesn't free up a lot of resources. So they can you can declare public health emergencies through health and human services, as others as others have noted. But that doesn't mean that you get to take all this federal money and spend it on abortions. You have the Hyde Amendment, which is supposed to prevent taxpayer money from going towards abortions. And that's one of the things that Planned Parenthood people love to cite, except for the fact that money's fungible. I mean, we've, ha- we've talked about this ad nauseum. But this is, I just don't think that you, I just don't know how you do that or how he thinks that that's even, it's never going to happen because it just, it's not, he can't do it. It's just not something that they're going to be able to do. A friend of mine wrote that it's uh, a really questionable gesture because the Biden administration and other blue state governors are insisting that the coronavirus still requires a public health emergency and extraordinary interventions. Yeah. That would be 
I mean, you want to talk about just I don't think there's any confidence left in our public health institutions. But if there was, this would be the end of it. Now, furthermore, with this and this is important to note as well, there was a new poll out. American women are actually like likely to favor more restrictions than men. And this and just to highlight in Europe, there are greater restrictions on abortion than there is in the United States. I, I can't tell you how many arguments I've seen or how many people that I've I felt needed to be slapped because they constantly go out with this. Well, you know, I guess women, if they have ectopic pregnancies, let's make one thing incredibly clear. If people are arguing, including women, that ectopic pregnancies, that women are going to die, and they're very rare. It's a natural thing, but it's very rare that women are going to be unable to get care for that. They're either so stupid about their own body that they should have caution before reproducing. And it's shameful that we would have grown people so completely biologically ignorant, which I think constitutes an epidemic of ignorance in this country, particularly among progressive men and women on this issue. Uh, Or they're lying to you because there is not a single state in this union that treats treatment for ectopic pregnancy as the as an abortion and denies and or restricts it. From the very initial implantation outside of the uterus, an ectopic pregnancy is not a viable pregnancy, period. There is nothing available in our quiver of modern science that makes it a success to transfer a fetus to the uterus. They, I have women in my family. I have a dear friend that I was at the hospital with that went through this. They rush you into surgery. So people gaslighting about this are doing the devil's work. That is shameful. They ought to be ashamed. And if they had a soul, they would feel shame over it. And those aren't harsh words. I think that anyone promoting this should be completely eligible for heaps of public scorn because it is reckless. It is maliciously false. It's shameful. And it's just cruel. There, is, there are no soft words for that. There is not a state where it's banned. Someone was trying to say, oh, Missouri, Missouri. I've had my children in Missouri. And everything that I just told you happened in Missouri. So no. And plus, there, in some of the states that where trigger laws went into effect, everything is codified, carve-outs for this. There is no statute in any state law that you can point to that prevents that. In fact, they have exceptions for if the mo- if the if the life of the mother. This is what abortion advocates are trying to. Because I'm going to tell you, if they didn't, I would be saying something about it. Because that is a legitimate health issue that is not an abortion. There's no way it's viable. No way it can be saved. That's science. It is biology. It is knowing your anatomy and physiology and understanding where life comes from. But it's abortion advocates that are tr- that are mad over. An industry that has been turned on its head. When you look at Planned Parenthood, they try to say that abortions aren't their main business, but where does all their money come from? According to their own figures, abortions. They actually were against when Republicans proposed a bill for the third time to make uh, uh, birth control pills available over the counter. They opposed it. Why? Because where do people go and buy these things? It's that. That's why. It's all about money. It's not about women's health. 
They're mad because it's taxpayer-funded abortion on demand as birth control. That's what it is. I had no problem with birth control over the counter. Yeah, do it. Saves lives. They didn't want that. Hmm. You got to ask yourself why. Now, in addition, one more thing. I know we got to get moving. But a new new data shows that that's still abortion, still not even a top concern among midterm voters. It's not even, I'm looking at, and this is just one of the polls I was looking at, it's not even a top eight concern. It's not, actually not even a top 10. Nobody cares. Everyone's looking at employment. They're looking at jobs, inflation. That's what they're looking at. We're going to talk more about this here coming up. Old routines die hard, like those multiple cups of coffee and sugary energy drinks to stay alert. Well, I discovered a healthier way to get the sustained energy I need without all the caffeine and sugar. Super Beats Heart Chews. I just unwrap a chew or two in the morning and let Super Beats Heart Chews do the rest. I feel great about what I'm doing for my health. Join me in the new way to start your day with Super Beats Heart Chews. I challenge you to try it for 30 days and give them your feedback. No more afternoon coffees, energy drinks, and candy for a quick pick-me-up. I've been taking Super Beats Heart Chews for years, and it's an easy and convenient on-the-go boost to your overall health and energy. Make Super Beats Chews an essential part of your busy day. To make it easy to get started, I got you up to 45% off plus free shipping at danasbeats.com. Hurry, it's their best offer available anywhere. That's danasbeats.com for up to 45% off. danasbeats.com. Of all your favorite talk hosts, one of these is not like the others. The Dana Show. Fort Hood, Texas, 2009. 13 dead, 30 more injured. Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, 1918. 17 dead, 17 injured. Eight, 1918? Dang, we're old. Holy smokes. Wow, Kane. Who knew? Welcome back to the program. That was the president just a little bit earlier today. Pause. Repeat line. <laughs> so I'm just, I just don't think that this is something that should be, you know, I'm just not, I don't think that this guy should be making determinations about our firearm laws. You know, if you have to have some wherewithal to carry, you should be able to have. You should have to have some wherewithal to make determinations about how people can carry. I'm telling you, I have more headlines about the Biden family, which I was. I'm actually I'm really behind on all my stuff. So coming up, Hunter Biden filmed himself weighing his crack in front of a hooker. Yep. These videos just keep coming out. It's so bad. And 4chan, it's 4chan, so take it for what it is. But they said that they got, they hacked his iCloud account, and they got some video, and it's, dude, dude, we can't even show. No, we're not, because it's so grody. It's just like infinity-level grody. We can play the one where he's like talking about how much his crack weighs. Yeah, we can play that one. But the other stuff, some of the stuff that I'll just see like a screen cap for, and I'm like, nope. I just can imagine how bad it is. Also, this is considered a betrayal. The Army has cut off pay and benefits for unvaccinated National Guard soldiers and reservists, even after we know that it doesn't prevent contraction and it's barely a basic therapeutic. We're going to discuss this as well coming up. We also have my friend Stephen Yates is going to be joining us later on in the program. You know, and Jack Carr. He's the guy who wrote the hit Terminalist on Amazon Prime. We've had him on before. 
We're going to talk to him, too. Stick with us. It's getting hot outside, mostly from all the grills firing up. Summer grilling is upon us, and if you're looking for the perfect cuts to put on your grill this year, look no further than Good Ranchers. Good Ranchers is the place to get 100% American meat this summer. I love how easy it is to get all my favorite cuts of beef, chicken, and even seafood shipped right to my door. With meat prices higher than ever, Good Ranchers is giving you free steaks. That's right, free steaks. So right now, get two free 18-ounce prime center cut ribeyes with my code Dana. That's a $100 offer free to you. Visit GoodRanchers.com slash Dana for over two pounds of free ribeye steaks added to your order at no cost to you. This is a limited time deal, so don't miss out on your free 18 ounce prime center cut ribeyes because I promise you they're not going to be around for long. Visit GoodRanchers.com slash Dana and use code Dana. That's GoodRanchers.com slash Dana, code Dana. Good Ranchers, American meat delivered. I also want to thank the bipartisan group of senators who worked so hard to get this done, especially Senators Murphy, Cinema, Cornyn, and Tillis. I hope I don't get you in trouble mentioning your name. Thank you. uh, we are, like we didn't know? I mean, <laughs> come on. Come on. It's like we knew. And he's talking, of course, about Tom Tillis from North Carolina and John Cornyn from Texas. They were two of the Republican senators that worked through and made that uh, bill possible, the gun control bill. Welcome back to the show. Second hour of the program. Your hostess here with you, ladies and gentlemen, your lovable, friendly neighborhood curmudgeon, Dana Lash. My friend Jack Carr, who is the author of the Terminalist series, and it's the James Reese series, and maybe you have binged, as have I, his entire, the entire first season of the Terminalist on Amazon Prime, which you should You should watch this. Very, very real gun handling and everything else. I'm really, really picky about that. And a great story. It is going to twist you and turn you. I was really eager to see how this was going to come across in the books. And it the books were going to come across on the screen rather and it's really good. So we're going to talk to Jack about this too because of course they'll have this all upset. And he's not like a super hyper partisan dude. He just doesn't really care. He's not political. He's ideological, but he's not political. And it's just funny to see. It's like a Rorschach test of anything else. We're going to talk to him about that. But Biden this morning at the White House saying, oh, Cornyn and Tillis, you know, this gun control bill. Maybe I shouldn't name you. We all know. Hope it doesn't mean you lose your job. Well, it should. I, I just... Look, I was telling you last hour, I have some friends who were saying, no, Dana, you have to be pragmatic about this. Something was going to pass. And it was better for people like Senator Tillis and Senator Cornyn to be involved to make sure that uh, the landing was soft. That's my way of putting it, not exactly how they said it, but they were saying, you know, to make sure it wasn't as bad as it could be. Wait a minute, but why did it have to be bad at all? Here's the thing. Nothing in what was written, I've read it, nothing in here addresses the problem that made Uvalde possible. Nothing in here addresses the problem that made Parkland possible. Nothing in here addresses the problem that made Highland Park possible or Buffalo possible. Not a single bit of it. Now, Consider, too, 
in all of the areas, everyone's like, well, Texas didn't have red flag laws. Neither did Buffalo. Well, Buffalo did. Did they work? No. Highland Park did. Did they work? No. California does. Did they work? No. I could go on and on. You have individuals who you're going to have dangerous individuals no matter what law you have. And it's not politically correct to talk about people's parenthood, but it is politically correct, apparently, to call gun owning moms and dads murderers and say that they hate kids unless they want to give up their guns and endorse everything that Democrats want that doesn't work in the states where they already have it. Interesting how that works, right? But this problem that we are seeing, and I would say it's, it's fairly recent because the average age, and I say it's recent because the average age of mass killers is 33. Those aren't my numbers. That comes from the Department of Justice. The younger killers, there is clearly a common factor. There's a profile that they fit. And there are a lot of variables that they share. And one of them is completely uninvolved parents. I just do not understand how you cannot be aware of what your kid is doing. And I'll say kid, your offspring, even if they're 21 or whatever, you don't know what your offspring is doing, especially when they live in a hut in your backyard. Because the kid in uh, Highland Park did that. He lived and apparently built himself a little shack in his parents' backyard. The family, was they clearly had issues. The dad had issues. Apparently there were numerous suicide attempts that this dude made. And yet even after that, the dad would still sponsor a FOID card, a FOID application. All, everything that they wanted, nothing in this bill that Biden was celebrating patting himself on the back about would address any of this stuff. He went on at length, play this one. This is uh, audio soundbite 18. He went on at length about the assault weapons ban, which according to his own, when he was vice president, Department of Justice said didn't affect crime. Listen. Assault weapons need to be banned. They were banned. I led the fight in 1994. Then under pressure from the NRA and the gun manufacturers and others, that ban was lifted in 2004. In that 10 years, it was law, mass shootings went down. When the law expired in 2004, and those weapons were allowed to be sold again, mass shootings tripled. That's, a, that's an what absolute lie. I'm determined to ban these weapons again. Okay, I'm done. You know why this is an absolute lie? Let me share with you. Because I've, I've got the receipt. I've written about it at Newsweek. I've tweeted about it. You've gotten it in my newsletter. If you subscribe to that at Substack at Chapter and Verse. Rand, the Rand Institute. Uh, I have several studies from the DOJ. The Rand Institute, they also, they put together a study showing that, no, in fact, assault wep- the assault weapons ban did not work. It did not lower crime. It did not... It didn't do what they you had the Rand Corporation 2020 study. They found no conclusive evidence that the ban reduced crime. The Department of Justice also had a study concluding the exact same. PolitiFact even rated one of these statements that the assault weapons ban didn't reduce crime. And they rated that as true. There is no evidence at all whatsoever to support what he's saying. He's trying to inflate his influence on this issue. The only thing that Biden ever did with crime is to actually put more people in jails with his crime bill. 
over even dumb stuff, make more felonies out of minor issues when there's serious crime and serious evil out there. And by the way, there was also a 2016 DOJ study, and again, this, is, this came out right before Trump was elected, so he, uh, Biden was still vice president, that showcased how, uh, what, 1.3% pr- percent of prisoners obtained a firearm from a retail source and used it during their offense. The rest got it from the black market. That's the DOJ. That's federal penitentiaries looking at, their, they did a survey of thousands of felons. There's nothing that supports anything that he's saying here. It was a waste of time for him to get up and do that. It was a waste of time for these Republican senators to get involved with a bill that does nothing except pave the way for the further expansion of red flag law, which, as we've talked about on this program, is an absolute denial and absence of due process. I have asked so many lawmakers. A lot of them won't come on air with me. They'll reach out and they'll be like, hey, can you retweet this? And I'll be like, why don't you come on my air on my airwaves and you can tell me and my audience what about this current system and our, our current legal system makes you think that we need to reduce due process in order to somehow prevent these issues. And they all, oh man, then there's crickets. Every single time one of them or their people reaches out, hey, can you, you want to tweet this? Hey, why don't you come on? And it's interesting. They'll want something and then they'll have to and they'll at some point they'll want something and then they'll want to they'll want to come back and they'll finally do it. But this is not going to do anything. Now, in the meantime, here's a very interesting story from Matt Vespa. The FBI, the National Instant Background Check System, that's called NICS, N-I-C-S. Now, there's three places from when you fill out your form, which is called a 4473, 4473. That's just the number on the form. So when you hear people refer to that, that's what that is. When they fill that out, it checks like three different things for uh, criminal records, right? And what they discovered, this and the whole number where they said uh, uh, 40% of all gun sales are done without a background check, that was a lie. I debunked that years ago. That was actually, they used that. That was what they cited before the Brady Bill was passed, and they still use that. So whenever you hear that 40% number, oh, 40% of gun sales are done without a background check, that's a number that they're taking pre-Brady Bill. That's literally in the early 90s. That's where they're getting that information. And they're applying it now. That's a fact. I've written about it in two books with receipts. So they they keep trying to push that. And Biden keeps trying to push that. Now, here's the thing. As you had the FBI, as Vespa notes, trying to manufacture some kind of evidence and altering emails for the shoddy Russian collusion narrative and doctoring spy warrants to go after people like Carter Page, apparently... Uh, There were a number of background checks that weren't completed within the allotment that they were supposed to be, according to law. NBC noted that there were over a million opportunities for someone to purchase a firearm from a licensed dealer without a completed background check in 2020 and 2021, according to an FBI report released last month. Now, I want to have a sidebar to this. This is separate from whether or not you think the background check system is either A, functional, B, reliable, or C, constitutional. Okay, we're just dealing with the cards that we have right now now to the nbc piece they said it was over there were over a million background checks or 4.2 percent that took longer than three business days in both those years of 20 and 21 a higher share than any other period since 2014 according to nbc after the third business day federal law allows dealers to complete the sale 
if the check is still pending. Well, they can. That's one of the things that NBC leaves out is that this is entirely up to discretion. And there are other state laws that come into play here. But I digress. So basically what they were saying is that the FBI uh, foobarred uh, a number the way that the checks were done again. This is exactly what what happened when the murderer for the, the church murderer in North Carolina, he was able to purchase a firearm legally because someone didn't understand the geography of the area, as explained by James Comey uh, in a PDF statement that is still up at FBI.gov, that they there were two similarly named areas and it involved this individual and a drug charge and in that state if you have a felony charge pending you are still considered a prohibited possessor until you go to court at which time you are either uh, uh, proven innocent or you are convicted and the individual who was looking at the paperwork actually messed up and allowed the transaction to be completed so it wasn't a loophole someone screwed up in the fbi and so here we have this again now and they also note too that people with common names can run into issues when purchasing firearms because see when you go to purchase a firearm you don't really rely on things like socials etc like you would do with an employment background check right you have to actually look at you you can't just have similarly named people like like uh who was it john lewis john lewis got in trouble uh, a late congressman because his name he got put on no fly list which is similar it operates similarly because his name was too similar to someone actually committing crimes that just goes to show you how low the bar is and how different it is like if you go to apply for a job that's actually actionable if that's you know if an employer reacts that way and you're denied you know the ability to go and pursue a job and have an interview because your name sounds too similar due to a mistake that the employer made it's insane that democrats never talk about that when they speak about nicks and all these other systems it's crazy that just goes to show you a they don't know what the hell they're talking about and b they don't care because it's not about improving any of that the end goal is just to ban guns period that's the end goal if you're like me you're growing more and more concerned about the future inflation is at its highest level in 40 years interest rates are skyrocketing and market experts not only predict a recession but they're using terms like quote economic hurricane and unprecedented so if you want to protect your future do what i did call the only precious metal dealers that i trust american hartford gold american hartford gold can show you how to protect your savings and retirement accounts by diversifying your portfolio with physical gold and silver So get started with just one short phone call and they'll have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or inside your IRA or 401k. They're the highest rated firm in the country with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied clients. Call right now and you'll receive up to $1,500 of free silver on your first qualifying order. Don't wait. Call 866-887-1188. That's 866-887-1188 or text DANA to 9 Nine nine eight eight nine nine. Protect your future with American Hartford Gold. 866-887-1188 or text Dana to 998899. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick 5, brought to you by Caltech. So Chuck Schumer has tested positive for the Rona. He, it, the Senate said to reconvene, and he's tested positive. They're re- reconvening this week after a two-week recess. His spokesperson, Justin Goodman, said he's experiencing mild symptoms and is fully vaccinated and boosted against the virus, but uh, apparently that didn't help. Oh, let's see. The left, they're proposing building a floating abortion clinic in the Gulf. I feel like this is going to go horrifically bad. 
So a California doctor wants to build a floating abortion clinic in the Gulf of Mexico to maintain access for people in southern states where they haven't banned it. It's just you can't use it as birth control. That's the thing. So they said that they want to put it in federal waters out of reach of state laws that would offer first trimester abortions, contraceptions and other care. By the way, you can get contraception and other care at like a million other health clinics that outnumbered Planned Parenthood facilities three to one in every single state. And they received a huge infusion of cash during Obamacare. So just FYI. They also like like have services for children. They just don't offer abortion as birth control. Anyway, I just don't think that that's going to they said they want to. It's called prowess with three, two R's and two S's because they can't spell and it's protecting reproductive something women. I don't care. Uh, let's see. Uh, trust in news outlets. It's a historic low. No one is shocked. No one. It's a new poll from Gallup, an annual survey on confidence in major U.S. institutions. And as it turns out, only 11% of people said that they have trust in media. 11%. Who are they? Why is it so high? I know. And uh, man, I got a whole bunch of other things. But coming up, Jack Carr from The Terminalist, the author, New York Times bestselling author of that series. He's going to join us to talk about the television series starring Chris Pratt on Amazon Prime. Stick with us. Anti-human trafficking warrior Rossi Orozco joins me to explain how open borders are leading to a huge increase in human trafficking into our country and the horrific sexual exploitation of women, girls, and boys. I'm Sarah Carter. On the latest Sarah Carter Show, Rosie will explain how the trafficking process works and how big of a business it is for the cartels. It's a tough story that we all need to know. Follow the Sarah Carter Show at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Red meat, black coffee, truth telling. The Dana Show. DanaLash.com. Make sure you go sign up for that newsletter. We had the trailer for this that we've been playing for the uh, the Amazon Prime series for Terminalist, which I've binged, and I'm really way behind in reading the full series. I'm just started Savage Son, and so the Russians are now involved, and that's all I'm going to say. But uh, really great series, and it's really well written. Very, I mean, very methodical. Very just, I mean, the characters are really well developed. And my friend Jack Carr, who is the brains behind all of this, New York Times bestselling author for his latest book, which we had on, we had him on to talk about, In the Blood, which is the latest in the James Reese series. He joins us now because July 1st is when Terminalist premiered on Amazon Prime. If you haven't watched this series, you should. I think it is the best series on streaming right now. It is so well done, so good. This, I mean, there's not, I don't have a complaint. It's just really well done. Not that I would complain, but congratulations just on another feat in a new medium. Well, thank you so much. It's, uh, it's been crazy. The response to it, not just in the U.S., but around the world is off the charts. On the audience side of the house, uh, critic side, uh, yeah. not so much, yeah. but uh, that was to be expected. It's not and, yeah, uh, it's it, not made for them. As you said, it's made for the people in the arena because I saw the Rotten Tomatoes thing. It was like whenever Rotten Tomatoes has something rated horribly, I know I'm going to love it because the audience <laughs> rating was like 90 something percent. And Rotten yeah. Tomatoes, if, unless it's some like, you know, fuddy duddy art house thing, they're not going to be into it. But I know that there was some, you know, if you have the typical people, if it's not woke enough, if it's not, you know, this, but that's not you write what you know you did. This is, I mean, recall so much of your experience, but also it's telling the story of this character. So I don't know why wokery has to be involved in this at all. It's silly. 
Yep. It's like if it's not shoved in there and forced in there, they're still upset. Even if it's just not one way or the other, it's just a story. Like there's no uh, conservative, uh, liberal, right, left, uh, Republican, Democrat. None of that is mentioned yeah. in the show yeah. at all. But uh, just because it's not and it's not uh, mentioned in a way that is favorable to that agenda, then they just get very upset. Um, and it's interesting on the critical side because this is definitely a different show than other ones out there. Yeah. It's not like plug and play action movie movie where it's just straight up action or straight up revenge. Um, it's really different in the way it's done. So uh, I think if it had had maybe some of that other stuff, that other agenda <laughs> forced in there, maybe right. they'd love it. But then audience score would be about a zero. So uh, well, yeah, it would, I think take we, you, it would <laughs> obliterate your suspension of disbelief because I think you do a really good job in your books. I thought you did a really good job and we have the the original Terminalist too. I thought you did a really good job of, of putting the reader in it. And I was really interested to see how the story was going to transpose to you know, screens, and you really do feel like you're right in there. And even though James Reese is a total badass, I mean, there's still parts of him that every you it's weird because you can identify with some aspect of him, uh, definitely his family at any point, And it really puts you right in there. So all of that stuff would have just been a hurdle, which I'm sure you were very sensitive to. Oh yeah, yeah, and a lot of it's and a lot of it's so personal. So I try to detach myself, but then I see the scene in the first episode where James Reese comes home and opens the door and quietly shuts it behind him, and then sees his wife and daughter for the first time in months. And uh, I got that in the book yeah. from an actual homecoming that I had, where wow. I came home and I saw wow. them through the little stained glass portion of the window, and then so uh, so it was very uh, similar to what I experienced in real life. But I think it also speaks to a lot of people that come home, and especially. The next morning scene where he's trying to kind of get to know his wife and daughter again at breakfast. It's one of my favorite scenes, actually, in the whole in the whole series. And so many veterans have reached out to me and said that that particular scene uh, of James Reese trying to reconnect, but not really being there, thinking about what happened, thinking about downrange, still uh, trying to make some sort of a conversation with his wife and daughter, that that really hit home for them. So, yeah, um, so really, yeah that uh, I've heard from a lot of people that that was powerful for them. We're talking with Jack Carr, New York Times bestselling author author of Terminalist and of course the the James Reese series and that scene and there was an I don't want to gosh I don't want to give away too much I just think people there was one there were I'll just say this there was one there was one particular scene that involved some other people who are serving and were looking for him and he places around on a rock and that signifies a shot that he didn't take I mm. was unaware of that that and that's actually a thing Talk to me about this because it's little it's things like this that maybe take up, you know, a minute of the story or a page in the book that really make it really put you right in there. Talk to me about that a little bit, though, if you can. Yeah, so that one came from something in real life that happens to me in a shot I didn't take as a sniper. And in the book, I, I, I fictionalize it and call it Fallujah. In real life, it was in Najaf, Iraq, back in the summer of 2004. But I weave that into the storyline because I talked about that with my platoons and troops ever since that, talking about, you know, you are the last person in this line of decision makers that starts with the president and weaves its way all the way down to you. That 18 to, let's say, 28, 30-year-old person who is on the trigger deciding whether you're going to press that trigger back and take a life or not. So it goes all the way down from the top. And I talk about a shot that I didn't take and uh, how I sleep very well because I didn't take that shot. Yeah. So we have to be decision makers out there on the battlefield at that low, at that tactical level. We're the last decision makers in that chain. But then also in the story, there's another part farther on where James Reese can clack off an ambush in the book and kill a bunch of people that are coming after him. And he's, and he sees somebody 
because he's on this revenge mission without constraint and he sees somebody that he recognizes and he doesn't do it, thank goodness. Um, and that really essentially saves him. Yeah. So in the movie or in the series, we change that up and we put a bullet right there so that they know that he had them in his sights and he could have pressed that trigger, but he didn't. I love so, the, uh, the reverent reaction of everyone involved. They're like, oh my gosh, like he, and they knew it. And it was just so well, they were just so well done. I wanted to, I wanted to ask you talking with Jack Carr, New York Times bestselling author, Terminalist. He's got the series out on Amazon Prime, which if you haven't binged it, you should have already watched it. And it, <laughs> let me ask you a quick question on that. Were, do you favor like one episode release per week or do you like it all at once? I think it depends on the show for this all at once for sure was the way to go. But I kind of think it's uh, if you have a fan base already, how much excitement, how much advertising marketing is in play. So I think there's a lot of different things at play there. Uh, but for something like this all at once, eight episodes, so you can watch it as an eight hour movie was the way to go. And so many people binged it in eight hours. Oh, yeah. Uh, but we a movie we filmed it as one big movie and they should watch it. when someone reaches out to me and says they're watching it on their phone i'm always like no because we filmed it for like a gigantic screen so the biggest screen you can find to watch it on is the way to go but uh but i think eight hours is the way to go because people like to like to binge these days especially something that's coming out fourth of july weekend or let's say memorial day weekend or something like that and you have these three days and people are going to be at home barbecuing and having fun and boom now you can just binge this thing you don't have to watch one and be like oh i wish they'd drop this all at once then you have to hear about that also. You can't just tell your spouse or your kids, I wish they dropped that. You can tell everybody on social media. You can reach out and ping right. everybody. And say, so and so you don't have to hear that. Let's just drop this thing all at once. And uh, that was the way to go with it. It makes so much sense, too, because the way some of those some of the episodes ended, you're like, oh, my gosh, skip, skip credits, skip credits. <laughs> just go into the I only watch like the intros to the first episodes and last episodes of anything. And so I did that with this. But I'm every the rest of the time. We're like, no, skip, 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 skip credits. <laughs> just go right to the next because it ends. And I would imagine with and this is kind of I'm, I'm trying to trap you here with future books and future series you know you're you would probably do it the same way all at once and not you know hanging everybody out week by week yes i think if there is a second season then uh <laughs> we'll, we'll do it but uh, i was just working on that this morning so if we get that call from amazon and they, they say hey it's a go that we're ready so i have this outline another eight episodes uh for book two but some things change now because in book two things are kind of hurtling towards this uh, russian invasion of ukraine that might happen and i wrote that book in 2016 17 came out in 2019 but now that's happened. Mm -hmm. So I can't use it as something that uh, that that James Reese can avert somehow. Uh, now I have to figure out another way to another geopolitical type of uh, cataclysmic type event that things are, are rushing towards. So I need to figure that out. Yeah. That's the one that I'm trying to because it made so much sense with the last book. But now that, you know, it's actually happened. Makes it a little different. Yeah, it's a little it's and that has that's a struggle for an author, I would imagine, particularly when, you know, you have your book already and now you got to get the teleplay done. And then, oh, my goodness. We're working with Chris Pratt. I thought Antoine Fuqua did a great job. He's one of my favorite directors. I love the sure. stuff that he does. I there's, I think some of my movies like uh, Training Day and the Mag the Radio Magnificent Seven, also starring uh, Chris Pratt. Those are some of my favorite films because I love I love his uh, just the pace at which he at which he does his films and everything about it. Uh, this was a very serious role for Chris Pratt. When you yeah. were first initially, uh, you know, having all these conversations, I'm not sure at, like at what level you play in in having this. I mean, we all feel like we're experts because we saw the offer. Uh, so we feel like we're experts about how movies are made now. But 
what because he's played some really lighthearted characters, really funny characters. He has had some serious roles. This is, I think, by far his most serious role to date. It really showed another side of him. And he really I mean, he really was Reese. Talk to me about your feelings on that and when how that came together. Yeah, and he's shown everyone who just thought, oh, he can only do Guardians of the Galaxy and Avengers and kind of campy-ish right, type right. character. Um, uh, they showed them that he can do anything. He has this range, and I knew it. I knew it well before Guardians of the Galaxy and Jurassic World and all that. Uh, I knew it back when I started typing this thing out in December of 2014 when he was only on Parks and Rec and played a very small role in Zero Dark Thirty as a SEAL. Yes. So I saw that transformation, and I didn't want someone who had already done action movies before. I wanted someone new. I wanted kind of someone that was likable, that was funny, um, because you're going to maybe have to forgive him for a few things he was going to do. So if you go into it already liking him personally and professionally, uh, but then see him do something new, then you have that kind of psychologically, you're already with him. Uh, so back in 2014, I thought that. And then my friend gave uh, gave him a copy of the book before it even hit shelves. I had no idea that I even had any connection to him whatsoever. But as I was typing, I was picturing him playing the role and I was picturing Antoine directing. So even though I had wow. no connection publishing and uh, yeah crazy so i was picturing those two and then my friend calls me to thank me for something i did for him in the seal teams five years prior and i didn't remember what it was and uh and he said as a thank you for that uh, uh i'd like to read your book and maybe give it to a friend of mine and i said no problem who's that and he said chris pratt I said, oh, that's interesting. Very convenient for me because I pictured him playing this role as I was writing it. And I kind of thought of like Tom Hanks in the 80s doing all comedy and then taking a risk with Philadelphia in the early 90s and being able to do anything else after that. So I was kind of thinking along those lines, like who's that person that needs to take a risk as an actor that has this range, is inherently likable um, and is the right age to pull this off and would want to do something like this, comfortable with weapons at the same time. That was very important. Um, and then... Boom, that's Chris Pratt. And then my friend gave him the book. He read it in late December of 2017, called the first week in January of 2018 and wanting to, to option it. So called the, called the week later. And, uh, and then my other friend gave one to Antoine at the same time. That's and then Antoine wild. And then they called each other and figured it out and said, let's do this together. And so now we're all three executive producers on it. And we had a, a fantastic time making so it. So in addition to writing books, you could also be a casting director too. I mean, that's what I'm pretty much hearing <laughs> at this point. Talking yeah, the casting is interesting. Yeah, yeah. As an executive producer. I got to to be involved in that and see how they how they did, especially during COVID when nothing was in person. Yeah. But you kind of already knew the people that you wanted for a lot of these a lot of these roles, uh, even though you had uh, casting videos come in and all that sort of a thing. But uh, yeah, that was it was. I learned a lot this last couple of years. Mm -hmm. Learned a ton. That's for sure. I, so. And I, I really liked the relationship that uh, Reese in the series had because I was very interested to see who was going to be playing whom and and you know the mm -hmm. character of Ben. And I'm not. I don't want to give any. People need to watch it so I don't have to worry about like spoiler alerts and all of this because at That's first, funny. you know, it, even reading the book at first, you're like, man, you need to find you a friend like him. Oh my gosh, no! And yeah. that's all I'm gonna say. Um, yeah. It's. Because oh. and, and you're right. You're so right with 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 Pratt's likability, his amiableness, for the lack of a better way to put it, uh, because Reese is a dark character, man. Reese has got some baggage. But at the same time, he's I mean, he is the perfect antihero. He really is. And and I think that if you didn't like the guy playing him or he didn't seem likable, you'd really hate this guy. That could have been a gamble. Exactly. Exactly. No, I was, I was, that was, uh, I thought about that quite a bit as I was typing away in my little rental house in Coronado, California during my last year in the SEAL teams. That was uh, at the forefront of my thought process. Uh, but I never wasted time thinking like, oh, what if Chris Pratt doesn't take this role? What if Antoine Fuqua doesn't direct it? 
I never thought about that. I I was, that. As a child of the 80s, I was like, that's just how it's going to happen. You write a book, it becomes the number one New York Times bestseller, and then A-list actor and director want to do it. Um, and then you get your publisher that exactly want, that you, who you want. It's Simon & Schuster, Emily Bessler in this case, mm. who is uh, amazing. Mm. And I saw her in the back of books by Brad Thor and Vince Flynn, and they're thanking her at Simon & Schuster. So I picked her as well before she knew who I was. That's uh, awesome. So it all, it, all, like, <laughs> it all kind of crazy how it all, all worked out. One last that's... quick question. Our friend Jack Carr, New York Times bestselling author behind The Terminalist, you make a uh, an appearance. Uh, you don't. Mm-hmm. Have, I feel like this would have gone out very differently if <laughs> the uh, because you know you and Reese kind of you know crosshair sure. so to speak. I don't know. <laughs> I, I feel like that would have been real different in real life. That's all. I mean, however you want to answer that because we both, my husband and I, are both were like, no, no, no. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. And I made sure to tell Chris beforehand as we're blocking that scene that, hey, buddy, this is just make believe. In real life, this would go down a lot differently. <laughs> just so you know. so, That's that. <laughs> he was under no illusions that it would not. But yes. that was so much fun. That was so much fun to do. And it was crazy. The guy who stunt doubled me for the crash, they wouldn't let me do the crash. Um, but uh, the guy that stunt doubled me is the same guy that stunt doubled Mel Gibson jumping off the tower and lethal weapon back in the day when he's handcuffed to that guy. Oh. Yes, I know that scene. Very uh, impactful movie to me back in the day. And uh, then I saw Mel Gibson at UFC. We went out there for a UFC thing. Uh, The Terminal List sponsored it and everything. Um, But Mel Gibson was in the front row, uh, a few few seats down from me. So I got to tell him that. And he was fantastic. He said, that's a great connection. He was just so, so cool. It it was amazing to talk to him about that. That's awesome. I love how all of this came together. I got to do all the rest of it and see how they put the bullet holes in the glass when they're shooting and all that stuff. That was really interesting. Yeah, I love this. I and and I'm so happy. I can't wait to see the next one, which I'm sure you will tell us as soon as it happens because the first one it's number one on Amazon Prime. It is the number one streaming series on Amazon Prime for good reason, and you gotta watch it. It's The Terminalist, starring Chris Pratt, written by Jack Carr. Congratulations, Jack. Here's the book too, and then oh wait, don't forget also get his latest in the blood which was just released amazing amazing now there's a few out there with this guy on the cover i know now you got the yes now you got the special ones you got the special that's right awesome jack carr terminal list is the series go and binge it jack always good to talk with you congrats my friend thank you so much for everything appreciate it take care it's his life mission to make bad decisions (laughs) it's time for florida man All right, I'm going to be fast with this because we went long with Jack, but it was worth it. An armed Florida man was tasered and arrested Saturday because he tried to flee deputies on a lawnmower. 40-year-old man, they tried to stop him. He was on top of a lawnmower. They wanted him to get off and surrender, but he refused and tried to flee on the lawnmower, according to Okaloosa County Sheriff's Office. So they chased him as much as you can chase someone on a lawnmower on foot, and then they finally had to tase him to subdue him. He's been charged with grand theft, felony criminal mischief, grand theft of a vehicle, possession of a concealed weapon by convicted felon. Oh my gosh, more than I can actually get in the remaining four seconds we have. Stick with us, third hour on the way. But they're frustrated police reform is stalled. I believe that we need, you're right. I mean, but again, this is the, the, there is a cycle, there is a connection between what we are, what we want to have happen and the power of Congress to actually make it happen when it comes to changing the laws, when it comes to writing and then putting in effect laws that create accountability and greater fairness in our system, be it our criminal justice system, be it our healthcare delivery system, all of that. There's what? Just 
going to what? Just going to ask a question about that. That was our really well spoken vice president of the United States. She can't actually explain. I mean, I do believe that we should have rightly believed, but we certainly believed. What? She does that. She repeats things in threes. Welcome back to the program. Third hour of the show. Dana Lash here with you, your lovable neighborhood curmudgeon. And uh, she was, yeah, she just shouldn't be. She's not. She she was also asked if she was going to, if he was going to run again. And then she said, yeah, no, I'm totally going to run with him. Except not. That's not going to happen. Uh, it, it just there the knives are out from the other candidates who would love to primary him going into 2024. Really, they really would. <sighs> I yeah, he's not going to be able to de- to declare a public health emergency for abortion either. His approval new low 33 percent. Dems want options. They don't really have any though. I mean, that's who you got. You got Mayor Poot who's trying to relocate to Michigan to make it more favorable for himself. Really? You think that guy? That guy? Really? It's not going to be. Not going to be him. He's not. He did. He's done nothing as transportation secretary. He's done nothing about supply. Nothing. He, he the only time he ever goes on the uh, cable news shows is to talk about something out of his, his wheelhouse of appointed office. He's not very good. Not very good. And then you have the. Pull this up. The situation with the New York Times. This was pretty uh, unusual. The New York Times has decided to go after Joe Biden. And they are pointing his pointing out his low approval ratings in the 30s. And they said that the old age is also a problem. They wrote when he leaves Tuesday night for a four day swing through the Middle East, he's he will presumably writes the New York Times, be more rested than he would have been had he followed the original plan. <sighs> they were supposed to tack another journey onto uh, last month to Europe, which would have made for an arduous 10-day overseas trek until it became clear to Biden's team that such extended travel might be unnecessarily taxing for a 79-year-old president, or crazy, as one official put it. They say his age is an uncomfortable issue. So the New York Times is already putting down the spikes they're already laying them down they said that if he mounts another campaign in 2024 biden would be asking the country to elect a leader who would be 86 at the end of his tenure testing the outer boundaries of age and the presidency they said he looks older than a few years ago and they i mean they're just quoting all these you know unofficial officials uh, off the record as oh he's uh, his age makes him a political liability and uh, you can't uh, solve it like stat with staff shakeups or communication plans. They they write his energy level, while impressive for a man of his age, is not what it was. And some aides quietly watch out for him. He shuffles when he walks. Aides worry he's going to trip on a wire. He stumbles over words during public events. They hold their breath to see if he makes it to the end without a gaff. And they oh man, now here's the thing. They, they have to get this dig in. They write New York Times. White House officials insist they make no special accommodations the way Reagan's team did. OK, this is BS. Reagan was long out of the White House when before that ever before symptoms ever started happening. And the Secret Service that were closest to him and I met the guy, the only Secret Service guy who could actually ride with Reagan and keep up with him. And we were visiting Rancho del Cielo. Um, 
it was well after he was out of office that Reagan even looked like Biden and sounded like Biden, stumbled around like Biden. And Biden wasn't on a horse the way Reagan was either and wasn't doing ranch work, (laughs) work, (laughs) work period. So they say that uh, he stays out of public view at night. He's taken part in fewer than half as many news conferences or interviews as recent predecessors. Yeah. I mean, the headline is literally Biden's testing the age of the boundaries of age in the presidency. Dang. I mean, that's pretty something. So they're already laying it out. The media is saying, look, we don't want you. We're holding off. I really feel like they're holding off on reporting about all of this stuff with Hunter Biden. I mean, the fact that you have this new video of Hunter Biden weighing crack and arguing with a hooker about how much the crack weighs, I'm not making this up, is stunning. Listen, stunning. Kane's already excited. Turn this up. I just weighed out the bag. It's so heavy. It's 2.06. 2.07. He sounds like Biden. Without the bag. He sounds like Joe, doesn't he? How, I mean, how dare you try to weigh your crack in a bag, ma'am? Jeez. <sighs> so many jokes. So they... I don't know what's going to... I, I, I don't know who they're going to end up having. I know Newsom's do, Newsom wants to run. Buttigieg thinks he can. You have, I think Klobuchar thinks she can. You have Pritzker, who's, oh my gosh, play me this audio soundbite. Audio soundbite three. So J.B. Pritzker was talking, which he usually does, uh, and I still think he's a DC Comics villain. Go ahead, play this. Audio soundbite three. He's talking about the Highland Park murderer. I think you know from some of the evidence that's been made public that there were uh, signs of, uh, you know, this white supremacy uh, uh, symbol uh, that there is evidence, obviously, of someone who is was looking to cause harm to people. Uh, we don't exactly know whether it is focused on one particular group or another. I mean, I just think that I, that's just, first off, wild. Reuters did a fact check of this, and they were saying that they had, uh, they did this fact check. The, they were saying their photograph with a red rose they said it's uh, inaccurate claims that it shows the arm of the perpetrator in the Highland Park. And they're saying that uh, if they had rose in a fist, that's a, that uh, this and all these other symbols that they were saying, they, Reuters was fact-checking, and I think there was another one of the... But Pritzker's like, we don't know, but I'm just going to go out and say it. Because he's white, he might be a white supremacist. Well, it sounds like he was targeting Jewish people, which is more in keeping with the left. And no one in their right mind believes this guy was a righty. So, I mean, but hey, why focus on what actually caused this when you could use it as political fodder? Did Pritzker say that from Illinois? Was he in Florida when he made those remarks? I mean, we don't know. Did he go to the state with a better governor? Just curious. Just wondering. Anyway, that guy. He wants to be, do you know that uh, morbid obesity, that's a major, major, well, it's a comorbidity for coronavirus. For yeah, just, you know, just saying. Yeah, for everything, just saying. Yeah, it's, um, there was another interesting piece here. It was, it came from uh, Chicago. It's a university. Misperceptions about party composition and their consequences. It was University of Chicago Press, and it was kind of interesting. 
Democrats believe that 44 percent of Republicans made over two hundred and fifty thousand dollars when it's actually two percent and 40 and and that uh, less than 40 percent are seniors. It's actually greater than 20 percent. And Republicans believe that 38 percent of Dems are LGB. It's actually six percent. And they said 44 percent are black. It's 24 percent. See, I think that it's all siloed. Everybody is like so that's that's one of the problems with the media and the media wants to keep it that way. They would love to keep it that way. They're very, very active right now as in the Senate. I just saw, so Herschel Walker, everybody's talking about Herschel Walker and Raphael Warnock. Didn't Raphael Warnock beat on his wife? Isn't that one of the things that they were, right? I remember there was something that came up in the last election. I don't know. We cannot afford to admit to like ha- lose one Senate seat. We really can't. And so everyone's trying to swing Georgia. You got Herschel Walker going up against uh, Raphael Warnock, the incumbent. And apparently they are like neck and neck. Walker is apparently, according to Daily Beast and Data for Progress between July 1st and July 6th, leading Warnock barely, 49 to 47%. So it's within the margin of error. And they're trying to make Herschel Walker look worse than, they're trying to act like Joe Biden's cerebral difficulties are apparently Herschel Walker's. Yeah, they're trying to act like Herschel Walker's the stuff that they say about him, I mean, that's some borderline bigotry. I just got to put that out there. Huh? It's not borderline. Well, Kane's like, not all is borderline. Some of it just straight up is. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that. And then what really gets me out of Ohio, check this out. So you had uh, the Ohio Senate race. I'm, this is just wild. I was reading this piece from Politico. So you have John Fetterman, who hates me, I think. I think he like said some stuff to me before. I don't remember. He's in the hospital, and he hasn't been campaigning at all. But for whatever reason, Mehmet Dr. Oz has, been, has, has gone dark on the airwaves, Politico notes, since May 21st. And he hasn't been apparently campaigning. And so now he's behind. Isn't he like negative six to Fetterman in Ohio? This was a stupid, stupid primary result. It really was. I don't like these K Street people who have never been to half of these damn states that they're advising party leaders to endorse. They haven't even been to half these states that they're trying to advise about races in. And this is one of a result of one of those. Oz is, is man, even if he were to win this seat, which, man, I don't know, because he's not campaigning. He's not doing anything. And nobody, I don't, nobody knows why. But I, I don't know how he's not like another Mitt Romney. And so you have this going on in Ohio. In Missouri, you had gun owners of America that had endorsed the current attorney general who is running for Senate. And we, we cannot have any more soft on the second Republicans in the Senate. We really can't. We, we, so you have Eric Schmidt, who is the current AG, He's running, and apparently he's neck and neck in the primary, which is on August 2nd, with um, the disgraced governor who put his foot in his mouth, to put it lightly, and apparently is more focused on just winning. He was a Democrat up until, and he actually bashed Trump. Eric Greitens, who is a former governor, used to bash Trump until he realized it would serve him well to not. He's also an anti-gun guy. He likes to do, try to do all these commercials of him holding guns while other people do the work. And 
he was opposed to constitutional carry and he turned the capital after he was elected governor to a gun-free zone reversing 60 some odd years of law or a precedent there uh and he wouldn't yeah he would not help with constitutional carry at all and he used verbatim mom's demand language and i've published all the receipts on these repeatedly to bash missouri second amendment preservation act like verbatim was using their talking points like word for word it was wild so i don't know why anybody would try to flirt around with losing that seat and don't think that it couldn't happen that's missouri's the same state that gave you claire mccaskill by the way so I don't know why they would flirt with losing that seat when you could go with uh, Schmidt. Now, Trump weighed in to say he was not going to back Vicki Hartzler. I don't know Hartzler. She seems very nice, but I don't think that she could. She would not be able, I don't think, to wage a, a race of like this. I don't think that she could. Very nice. But Schmidt needs to win that seat. I, I, and then you have Nevada Adam Laxalt. He needs to take that. He needs to take that Senate race. Otherwise, you know, even if Republicans take all these races, it's still going to be you're only going to I mean, it's only going to be neck and neck in the Senate. You're only going to have you're basically changing places with Democrats. That's why they can't stand to lose a single seat. It is very, very different landscape than the House. We got more to come, including our friend Stephen Yates. He's going to be joining us as well. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. So apparently, they call it Snip for Shake. This is so weird. Free milkshakes are offered to customers showing proof of a vasectomy in Nashville at a hot dog restaurant. So they're actually doing this. They're out, they began offering them after the Roe v. Wade thing with Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health and all of that. And they said customers are required to show a doctor's note to qualify. And I'm all about vasectomies for people who don't want to take responsibility for the life that they create. So go right ahead. I, I don't have any opposition to this. Where's the, where's the bad about it? I don't know. Uh, let's see. So Amber Heard wants a mistrial, and she says the wrong juror was seated in the Johnny Depp defamation trial. Not going to happen. Uh, pay up. Or, you know what? Maybe next time don't falsely accuse people of things that they didn't do. Uh, the Georgia Guidestones story grows curiouser and curiouser. The There was this promise of, I guess, what, treasure? But apparently it was a bust. I could have told you that. It, they unveiled this thing that was built and I guess erected in 1980. It was demolished Wednesday after an explosion. And so they said that uh, a slab on the site had two unfinished lines. It said place six feet below on this spot. It was to be opened on and they couldn't find anything. Duh. Of course. So you Man, it's a troll. It's a one giant troll is what it is. My friend Stephen Yates joins me next. we got a lot of stuff to discuss, including how the Shinzo Abe assassination ended up giving his party a supermajority. Stick with us. When you're stuck discussing politics with your friends, who's the most informed person in the group? Yep, you are. You're welcome. Listen, follow, subscribe. The Dana Show. I look like a fool here. <laughs> I put a helmet on because it's a tough interview. <laughs> you might need a helmet on just like for regular everyday activities. Just yeah. suggesting that was the president. Welcome back to the show. I'm your lovable neighborhood curmudgeon, Dana Lash. Joining me now, 
my very good friend. We got a lot to discuss. Stephen Yates, senior fellow at America First Policy Institute, and he is chair of the China Policy Initiative. He was also friends with now late Shinzo Abe, which is still wild to think about it in these terms. Stephen, welcome to the show. And, and always, as always, thank you for your time, because the last time we spoke last week was the was right after this came to light that he had been assassinated and everyone was wondering how that was how that was going to affect Japan and their parliamentary elections that were coming up and I was looking at it his political party won a super majority uh, in just just two days after he was assassinated so his legacy apparently has some legs it does now in fairness they were on that trajectory uh, and he uh, he has been a vital part of driving his country, his party, and frankly, that part of the world in the right direction in seeing China's Communist Party clearly for what it is. Uh, a lot of today's talk about an Indo-Pacific region. I might make fun of the words because I don't like labels like that very much, but he had a strategic point behind it. He wanted to make clear that when you talk about Asia, you include the Indian Ocean part of Asia, those other billion people that live in a political system that's in contrast to the billion people under tyranny of the Communist Party of China. Uh, And so Shinzo Abe worked on these things as sort of a mid-level guy. Uh, He was not born in poverty, I would say. He was was a legacy in terms of a political powerhouse family, uh, but he made the most of it. Um, You know, a lot of people get at bats in life. Mm. And I really just have a deep respect for those who take it and not only swing away, but do something meaningfully and successfully with it. And I think that his country for generations to come will thank him. And as an American, I thank him because I think he was helping Japan grow out of the shadows of the World War II tragedy. Uh, The Communist Party of China and the North Koreans tried to hold that over Japan. Uh, He tried to make them more of a normal nation uh, and uh, try to have a constitution of their own, not the one that we imposed after World War II. Uh, So I strongly supported the direction that he was going, uh, someone that I met when he was on his rise and after he fell from power the first time he was prime minister. Uh, and as I as I said on, on Twitter, you know, you just have a deep respect for the people that take the roller coaster of politics up with you and down with you mm-hmm. and you return the favor. And he was one of those kind of guys. Yeah, I'm talking with Stephen Yates who uh, in his, he also advised uh, uh, Bush in his administration. He's he's worked in this area. He ran Radio Free Asia until the communists went after him. Um, but this, I have to ask you, Stephen, too, the media reaction, well, not reaction, the media description, they try to act like he was controversial. Basically, I mean, I'll sum it up. After an NPR headline, they were acting like because he got along with Trump that somehow he was Nazi adjacent, which is just idiotic because he was able to get along with Trump. But yet he was, as you were saying, he really wanted Japan to have that kind of influence on the world stage and be, you know, as they are as much as they are financially to be that influential on every you know other area. Now he's he's it's like that he's being smeared posthumously because he was able to get along with the West. Uh, it was really disgusting. I mean, any time one of our friends gets this kind of treatment, you feel it a little bit more. Uh, but really, I don't know if the sort of mainstream media has failed 
greater than they have on sort of these obituaries for world leaders, whitewashing terrorists and true murderous dictators. But you got to put some kind of a snarky caveat on a guy who's the longest tenured prime minister in the history of democratic Japan. I mean, how does he do that? with a supermajority in his country if he's not by definition uniting more people than he's supposedly dividing. So I mean, just on his face, it was sort of analytically bad, but you know, it's just sort of the left's got a left. They just do their thing when these things happen. It was just particularly gross in this instance because what's he doing? He's helping them be a normal, responsible, power in the world, balancing a China that's anything but those adjectives and was a loyal and reliable partner with the United States. I mean, what really more do we ask of any country? Can't you just give the man his due after he's been assassinated? My goodness, you just can't let anything go. All right. Did we, and did we find out any more about the his murderer, his assassin? Well, I mean, the guy who made the, it basically is an IED, as our friend Brad Thor was explaining to us, which I agree, as opposed to a zipper gun, but... Do we because he had said it was weird. He was quoted in Japan's media as he didn't oppose Abe politically, but he had some kind of issue with him. And they ne- it never really yeah. came to fruition what that was. What do we know? Well, I think the only thing we can say for sure we know at this point is we don't know the truth. Uh, so it's very, very unlikely that this guy just woke up mm-hmm. and had a bad morning, somehow put together some kind of handheld version of a double barrel shotgun or hand rocket of some kind uh, and just showed up where Abe was going to be campaigning. Uh, one thing we can count on the Japanese to do is to have a thorough, meticulously investigated process from here forward. Uh, I don't expect it to be quick. But I think that they'll be combing over, you know, what ties did he have with people who wanted to influence and use him? I I expect we'll find this is a troubled human that was probably manipulated by some other group. Uh, I don't have any evidence to say who that is. Does it rhyme with screening it for Chinese people? Yeah, I was going to say, does it rhyme with Shmeijing? I mean, not, you know, just outright saying it, but just, you know, could be. Yeah, well, I mean, and, you know, it's not like China isn't trying to destabilize other democratic places right now. I mean, they certainly took the hammer out in Hong Kong. Uh, They're threatening people who are dissidents in other countries. Even in the United States, they're going after people here that advocate for a free China or raise any kind of criticism against them. Uh, And they have a visceral hatred of Japan. And why wouldn't they? Japan proves the lie that you can't have freedom and be a normal, traditional Asian society at the same time. And so, of course, the Communist Party would hate something like that. Yeah, no, that sounds that's I mean, that's honestly one of the first thoughts I have. I know you mentioned Yakuza, but I thought, "Mm." I mean, either that that seems like they would. May, I don't know. I It just seemed more like this would be something that China would try to do to destabilize. But at the same time, completely missed the mark that it just it gets it just builds up resolve against what they're trying to do. Very interesting. And to that point, right. well, process wise, their constitutional amendment to normalize their country and have free and independent de- defense capabilities mm-hmm. is much more likely in the near term now. Oh, so good yeah. for them. Yeah, that's it for sure. Uh, also, the U.S. is apparently concerned at China's alignment. You and I have talked about this for a little bit. We're talking with Stephen Yates. Uh, their alignment with Russia, according to Anthony Blinken, which, 
I mean, that seems obvious. It doesn't seem it's it's weird because it seems as though China is they they're coming into some kind of alignment or developing some kind of association, not really a relationship because China's well aware of what that the optics of what that looked like on the world stage. It seems like they, they did help them out with buying crude, apparently, according to numerous reports. Uh, but yet it's like they also don't want to back a loser. Explain to us a little bit the latest as to what's going on here. Well, I mean, really, when it comes down to China and Russia, it's been a longstanding marriage of convenience. I mean, this is this is a grouping that will, at the first opportunity, ditch the other one. Uh, but for while it works for them, they will always take whatever assist they can get from the other side, especially if they're balancing against the broader West and especially the United States. Uh, so when it came to the situation in Ukraine, I mean, China was deeply conflicted. They had a lot of economic and other interests in Ukraine. Uh, and uh, but they had bigger interests in trying to keep the United States from throwing these kinds of sanctions at Beijing like they had been throwing at Moscow. So uh, they picked the the bigger challenge to align over. Uh, I, but I but longer term. Uh, the Chinese don't trust anyone, and I don't think the Russians trust anyone. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, it's not something that is that is durable. But the, what we always have to remember is it easier to break things than to build things. And so they don't have to have an effective alliance or partnership to be damaging and bad. All they have to do is break things and cause trouble, and it's a lot harder for the rest of us. That's a really good point. Uh, this... This story that came out with Hunter Biden and this asset firm that has this $1.7 billion investment in this Chinese uh, oil and gas and this company, the the story that came out last week of the sale of our own, from our own reserves, from our SPR, uh, that apparently benefits this entity that Hunter Biden's asset firm has investment in. How much of a con- because it, that's really downplayed. Nobody, no ABC story, no NBC story, nothing like that. The closest they get to criticizing Joe Biden is kind of intimating that they'll really come after him if he really decides to run in 2024 because they want a more, I guess, uh, mentally or or aware Democrat to be in office. That seems like that should be a major, major headline story and a real conflict uh, it, that's carried out right in the White House with the big guy. Your thoughts on that? Well, I just remember when I went uh, through background check processes uh, way, way back early in my career just to get a security clearance and then later to enter into just being a staffer in the White House. uh, You'd have to answer a whole host of questions that were meant to sort of weed out areas where people could have leverage or undue influence over you so that you could be compromised. Uh, And they would go through things that would have to do with sexual background or financial ties, especially foreign ties, ties to countries of concern. And as at least as far as things are getting reported, this particular family seems to hit the jackpot on every single point of possible leverage. Uh, and uh, so from a counterintelligence point of view, this is actually quite the nightmare scenario. Uh, I can't understand how this matters so little uh, to even really get a cursory 
coverage in in the media. Uh, I don't know who's guilty or innocent, but I sure have seen a lot of videos I wish I hadn't have seen on social media in the last 24 hours. And none of that would be acceptable in any other time with any other party in power. That's a really good point. Yeah, well, we, we, there's not enough eye bleach. We that's I mean, that's, you know, not that's not totally. even a supply chain issue. That's just there's just not enough eye bleach. <laughs> Stephen Yates at Yates comms on Twitter is where you can find him. Always a pleasure, my friend. Glad you enjoyed the uh, I won't I won't out you, but I'm glad that you had a fun at a concert of a specific 90s variety. So we're Michelle loved it. So I'm happy. There you go. <laughs> good man. Good man. <laughs> you have a great week, my friend. Take care. Thank you. Dave. Take care. <laughs> We have more to come as we wrap up this hour. He, we didn't, we didn't want to put him on blast. It was new kids on the block. It was the nineties. It was a nineties thing. That's all I was saying. It's all right. No, it's okay. He's being a good husband. That's you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Shush, shush. Listen to the Dana Show live on the Odyssey app, weekdays noon to three p.m. Eastern time. I have to tell you, this video that's gone viral of an anchor woman in upstate New York. Her name is Heather Kovar. Man, I feel like she's having just a bad time right now. Apparently, like, her dad had passed away, and she was, like, in Texas dealing with that. She goes back, and she is suspended because she was slurring her speech, and it was just an erratic newscast. She still sounds way more coherent than Biden on his best day. Listen. More than 50 million people across the country southeast are under warnings for excessive heat. And boy, don't you know that? 105 degrees in Texas today. I just spoke with my mother. That's what she's dealing with. It's a major heat wave. And it is, it's it's just hitting everywhere. We're so lucky. It's only 80 degrees here. We are really lucky here in the capital region. I mean, let me tell you about that. These areas are reaching such areas. I mean, it's Houston, Austin, San Antonio. I mean, they're not expected. It has happened. Like, you don't need us telling you that it's bad. It's like like people are being told to, like, stay inside, drink a lot of water. And we are just lucky. This weekend right here is so amazing. Uh, uh, meteorologist Craig Adams is right here. Right and apparently here. the guy's name is Craig Adams. Why did I say that? Of course, clearly, like, here we're taking a live look over uh, downtown Albany. And, and, of course, just like me, meteorologist Craig Gold is working a double shift and so uh, she said that she said that that it was because of exhaustion and and all this stuff she still sounds way more way more coherent than biden ever has has sounded since he's been in the white house so i don't know like the station's general manager said that she's been suspended the investigation's ongoing apparently she was taking care of her dad who had passed away and she said that was in may I think he passed away, passed away in May, according to uh, New York Post. And so I guess she's been, I don't know, she said she, she, so that's, she was suspended. And she was, they said she looked disheveled and all this stuff. And I don't, I don't know. It just kind of sounds like it may not be exhaustion, but I don't know. I don't want to just, she might be going through a bad time. Is that the name of that liquor? Exhaustion? That's actually, you know what? That would be brilliant. (laughs) Why are you... Why are you uh, not coming out? Because uh, exhaustion, sir. Exhaustion, sir. Yeah. Oh, man. I. Why do I... Why? And by the way, also, do we continue having to see the footage that is... Co- oh, my gosh. I'm accidentally seeing more Hunter Biden stuff that I don't want to see. Kane, just... Nobody Calgon. Come on, man. All right. Time oh. for Today in Stupidity. Yeah. 
All right, this is uh, Biden's top economic advisor, Jared, Jared Bernstein. After being told the president has nothing to do with the rising gas prices, this was, he says. The gas price is down uh, 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 more than 30 cents off of its peak. Now, uh, some of that has to do with initiatives that this White House has taken, the president's right. behest, including measures to increase the supply of, uh, of oil. Uh, so uh, I think if you actually look at what the president has done, uh, keep your head down. Huh. Uh, that's, that's so when prices go down, it's the president. But when they go up, when they it's, go up, it's can't Putin. Blame it's Putin's price hike, right? That's not how it works. I'll be on with Jesse Waters tonight in the 6 p.m. Central Hour, and folks, sign up for the newsletter. Back with you tomorrow.